0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 547 on Tuesday, the 17th of October, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And
1: this week, we'll be apologizing to those that run along to the first part. You might want to start sprinting now. In New New Car News, we bring you a lot. Mm. And one car that will hurt your eyes, we're so sorry. And in points of interest, we grab our six strings and start nibbling on sponge cake. (laughs) And we go straight into New News. And this is from the US of A, but it is interesting enough for us to share, for those of us who are in the UK. The Department of Justice in the US is suing eBay for selling rolling coal devices, that's those ones that allow the pickups to... Oh, that so doesn't work with your accent. ...to spew out all the black smoke as they accelerate away and intimidate EVs and Prius and everything else that you see on the YouTubes. (laughs)
0: And what is a reeling kill, sir? (laughs) Yes, this could hit quite badly. Yeah, there's a 61-page submission of complaint to the courts
1: from the Department of Justice, and they reckon 343,000 illegal devices have been sold on eBay. And if eBay was found guilty and fined to the maximum, Hmm. that's $5,580 per item sold, which could take it to the region of
0: 2 billion dollars in fines. Obviously it's never going to reach that. No. I mean it's not Volkswagen. <laughs> yes, to mend the US company. <laughs> yeah. The challenge here really is that it will get settled, but for eBay this is like a game of splat the rat. As soon as they work out a new word combination to ban or a picture to ban or whatever, at least one or two other new word combos are going to pop up and it's a case of trying to work out what the heck those are and stop those and it just gets harder and harder and harder.
1: Yes, but no, they don't. we, we don't see them being hauled, I was going to say over the coals, but well, that's a poor choice. Hauled over the rolling coals, yeah. Uh, we don't see them being brought into, <laughs> brought into court over things like foodstuffs that they shouldn't sell or pets and things like that. I, I think it's an easy one to, to pick on. Yeah, and should rightly be stopped. To be, Just to back oh, yeah. this up, we're not, we're not excusing the selling of this, by the way, just to be clear.
0: Oh, goodness, no. I was telling you that just last week on my, my way to the office, I was, I was sitting in traffic and there were two trucks, mm. two tractor units, semi-trucks, and every time they moved off in traffic, they were spouting 10-foot-tall black smoke. I just don't know what they thought they were playing at by overfueling to that level. Mm. And it just seemed ridiculous. And I just thought, you know, in Europe, that just would not happen. It simply would not it wouldn't be tolerated. Mm. They'd maybe get two or three days and then someone would you off. Yeah, absolutely. There's no reason for it, by the way. You know, it's not that these were particularly special trucks. It's not that US trucks can carry or need to be more powerful than European trucks. It's the opposite. They can only carry the same amount, payload, Mm. that works out about the same amount as any of our European trucks. Um, They can only carry some 24, 25 tons. It's just, I don't know, I would have had them into the side of the road and G 9 in seconds. But that's because I'm a git, frankly.
1: Well, do you want to take us on to a story back in the UK that is perhaps more positive and doesn't bring out your inner policingness?
0: Yes. Well, there's a new battery. Well, there's not a new. There is an existing battery recycling firm in the UK called Recyclus Group. Um, you can see, guess what they do from the name. They have just finished commissioning their new plant in Wolverhampton, which is a LIBAT plant, again, innovative naming I means you can guess the date processes lithium-ion batteries, and it, in theory, up to twenty-two thousand tons of lithium-ion batteries. That's a lot of write-offs. <laughs> that is a lot of write-offs. There's this article from Electrive that's linked in the show notes, is saying that it's the equivalent of more than forty-eight thousand batteries. It doesn't say here if it has to be car batteries i think it's just any type of lithium-ion battery and they say that the plant will recycle any of the current chemistries there also saying they've got bulk liquid nitrogen tanks being installed to facilitate continuous processing i imagine that that's for fire suppression etc as well as possibly you know um what could it be useful it's either fire suppression or it's making it very very cold yeah maybe part of the extraction thing because they they talk
1: about that they will be able to process all kinds of end-of-life lion batteries and lithium metal to produce, and I'm quoting here from the Electrive article that will be linked in the show notes, to produce black mass from critical metals that can be reprocessed and sold back into the battery supply chain. So this is all part of that circular economy that we have begun to talk about more and more. It is a very important thing because anything we can recycle means we don't have to dig it out of the ground. And also helps us to produce more batteries
0: more quickly because
1: if you are still extracting from the ground but using the old stuff, et cetera, et cetera.
0: A company called Slicker is its partner for collecting battery waste nationwide. So any sort of type of laptop battery or whatever, uh, they should be able to collect it uh, so it can be recycled. So this is good. This is that urban mining that we've talked about before. As you say, circular economy, urban mining. So getting back the minerals that have been used and recycling, upcycling, whatever of those. So this is a really good thing, and it's in the UK. So that's a, you know, the amount of lithium that will come out of these will save an awful lot more rock being dug out of the ground uh, and then shipped around the world. This is good stuff.
1: Yes, vital. I will stick with the UK, and I'll take us to close to Oxford, where WAE are going to create an electric car battery plant It's going to cost around about $20 to implement and build. But this will be mainly targeting the heavy plant sector, which is okay, that's fine. It's not cars. We need the car battery ones as well if we're to continue to have a a, a car
0: industry. Well, it's the same thing, just different scale.
1: But this is also... So it could help the likes of JCB and other manufacturers in the UK who are looking to build things if they don't export them. Um, But if they export them to Europe... That will help heavy goods vehicles or plant producers over in Europe because it will be considered a locally produced battery. Yes, which
0: is that rules of origin thing that we do keep bringing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and surprising amount of heavy plant is actually built in the UK. It's one of those things that we still actually do. Mm. So oh. Volvo slash Terex have a plant at Bathgate, isn't it? I hope they still have one making dumpers. Caterpillar have a, a plant further south. As well as as well as JCB, and that kind of stuff. WAE as well do a lot of motorsport work too, with batteries for Formula E, Extreme E, and something I had to look up, which is Extreme H, which sounds very very painful indeed. But it turns out is a hydrogen version of Extreme E. Yeah, still can't get on board with those two. No, we 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 protect fragile ecosystems by driving over them. Mm. Uh, it doesn't matter what you're powered by; it just seems a bit wrong to me. Yeah. Uh, Every time I keep talking about the battery packs for heavy goods vehicles, the 1.4 megawatt packs, I keep thinking of 1.2 gigawatts from back to the future, but that's just me and my weird brain.
1: Okay, well, can you take your weird brain off to Brussels and tell us about there's trouble at mill for Audi?
0: (laughs) My poor weird brain has spent quite a lot of time in Brussels in the past. Audi. Uh, We we, we almost put this in follow-up. Audi recently launched a facelifted Q4 e-tron. And the plan was that there was going to be enough demand that they would build it both at the Zwickau plant in former East Germany, as well as at the Brussels plant. Uh, There isn't enough demand for it. It seems that not enough people want an electric Audi-badged mid-size coupe SUV thing. Audi have lowered the production targets for Brussels before they've even started. And really, it's going to be, Sticking along if building them at all. The workforce are quite unsettled, according to this Electrive article. On strike, I think, is the... Well, that does make it much easier to build fewer of them.
1: (laughs) Yes. When I saw that bit, having read the start of the article, and I saw that they're then on strike, I thought, management will be happy and go, yep, keep going, lads, because it's no chance of us building any here, because they don't have enough for the Zikow plant as
0: it is. What's happening here, by the way, as well, so the new Q8 e-tron is meant to be built in Brussels, but it's not come on stream yet. Yeah, the Q8 e-tron, the Q8 e-tron sport back thing. Yeah. Will be built there, there too.
1: Yeah, because this ties into last week's article where the as yet unknown flagship model was being moved in terms of factories, and we were be- mm. we were questioning quite loudly, does this indicate problems for audi for vw group all of the above none of the above but this is yet another slightly negative story that begins to unsettle me
0: slightly and i don't know if it's positive reinforcement in my mind after the story last week but this week every time i've seen a story about audi it's been kind of negative
1: they are becoming more often which is part of the reason i throw it in the order and it's just one to keep an eye on like you say it is it because we've seen one or two and now that's all we see? Or is it yeah. really there is a
0: problem? Which is very straight. It seems quite... It's never been that way before. No. I, I don't think it's ever... I mean, the worst you could say is, well, Audi drivers are aggressive. And that's it. That was, that was the trope. But there seems to be something about Audi as a company right now.
1: Well, Audi used to be mega important to the VW group. I mean, they controlled yeah. all the tech when it came to internal combustion engines as we know from Dieselgate, and well, yeah,
0: who true. was targeted for criminal charges and who wasn't. Do you think it's been a change of management then who's been unprepared as well as basically a model line-up and a, a model strategy that was possibly not very well implemented? Hmm. Rushed out as well, which we know has Rush- happened well, from VW sorry, Group anyway. The, um, the, the ID range, um, I think. Anyone that's driven the early ID3s will agree with that. I think it's hard not to. Yeah, problems of their own. making, be honest, this is, by the way, yeah,
1: all of this yeah. is problems of their own making, going back to
0: the early 2000s. I suppose so. Yes,
1: Andrew. Yes, for all the joggers, this is the last article in the first part. So really, do hope you are going downhill quite rapidly, or perhaps have called a taxi. But this is going to be about the Mercedes-Benz E Actros. 600 which is their long-range electric lorry or stormtrooper looking at the picture that is in this Greenfleet article
0: you see you say stormtrooper and i think it looks a bit more like wallace as in cracking electric trucks grommet <laughs> i
1: think that just says everything about ourselves and our what I we do outside does, yeah. of the motoring podcast <laughs> our forms of entertainment
0: talking about the looks, though, before we get on to any of the tech and, mm-hmm. and and stuff, talking about looks, I think it's quite interesting that it is not an aggressive-looking truck. Mm. The standard Actros is is quite pointy and grr, as the front of many trucks are, especially ones with very tall cabs mm. like the Actros or the, the Volvo FH um, or, or any of the others. But this one isn't. It's very much round. I'm sure it's for aero purposes, but it's very much rounded and smooth and kind of, it follows the usual sort of Mercedes-EV design ethos, even in the truck, of let's make it look like the normal one, carve it out of soap and rub it a bit to smooth it off, and then that'll be it. That'll be the model. I feel this one's uh, but much I think more... it's a bit better than that. Yes, it's, it's,
1: the execution is much better than perhaps we've yes, seen the, the, on some of
0: the car versions. Yes, they've, be, they've become much better at rubbing the soap lately.
1: Yes. This is going to have a 300-ton-mile range on one charge. It will have the capacity for, uh, because of its high batteries, uh, of 600 kilowatts hours, hence the 600 designation. And they have worked very hard at making the electric drive axle be particularly efficient, it says on this article that's linked in the show notes. They can charge uh, with up to 400 kilowatts, 20 to 80% in 30 minutes at a suitable charging station with suitable conditions to allow such speed as ever (laughs) but an output of one megawatt yeah
0: i wonder how many of those are out there that's going to come on stream later
1: when it comes to the uh, lorry obviously one of the questions you ask is what about the weight how much impact did the batteries make to all this and they have a gross combined weight of 44 tons and they reckon that in the EU, that has a payload of still of around 22 tonnes. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I hand over to our heavy goods vehicle expert to explain how close or not that is to a diesel. You're losing a couple of tonnes.
0: I think that's I would normally good. About, expect about 24, 24 to 25 if you're at 44 tonnes. But that requires you to be on uh, that... <laughs> here we go welcome to the nerdiness that requires you to be on a three plus three axle configuration the one shown in the pictures here is a two plus three and i think that that means you're only allowed 40 tons provided all five axles are air suspended i I, know i could be a bit rusty on that it's been a while since i've had to think about it too much but i'm sure someone will correct me if i'm wrong there one of the interesting things now you mentioned the range earlier on andrew one of the things is, is that Mercedes are saying that with intermediate charging, you know, you have to stop when you're driving truck every three uh, three and a bit hours. I really am rusty on my driver's hours rules and take a break at, at that point for, for 45 minutes. Now, that works if you're doing long-range driving. Of course, if you're doing shorter range, you might have to take smaller prescribed breaks of no less than 15 minutes. So, But if you can charge during those breaks... Mercedes, the truck can do over 600 miles mm. now <clears throat> that poses its own fun challenges really because if you can imagine a truck park with many chargers then that's going to be drawing an awful lot of power from the grid
1: and needs a lot of windmills and solar panels nearby um, and by the way before anyone asks us we are not doing the oh no, the national grid will fall
0: over. We're not doing that. We're just oh, no, stating no. No, no. no, no. What, what I'm about here. to say is one, one of the challenges there is, is that quite often drivers like to start in the very, very early morning and drive into the into the day a bit. And the challenge is that that makes the whole charging overnight thing a bit harder, mm. unlike with cars, where you would you genuinely reckon it's not going to be driven overnight uh, and you can leave it parked and charging. Whilst electricity is cheaper, if you're driving your truck and you're having to take your mandated brakes around it's going to be during the hours of daylight when electricity is a bit more expensive. So that's something that's going to be worth keeping an eye on and bearing in mind. That's the point. But I'm sure that there are ways around that. Well, I'm also
1: sure that there are going to be many people with spreadsheets in charges of fleets. Oh yeah, looking at this incredibly closely. But that, it's great to see that there are options now.
0: Yeah. Uh, there, by the way, there's a fleet of around 50 prototype vehicles is being built. Uh, some of which is to be put into practical testing with customers as the next step. So sort of alpha stroke beta testing Uh, of the whole idea, which which is the right way to do it. Uh, There'll also be a rigid variant as well as tractor unit.
1: Okay. They they reckon or the plan is for full production to start at the end of 2024.
0: (laughs) I guess you're as well showing off uh, sort of things that are one stage beyond just being a concept when it's a truck, because it's very hard to camouflage it and for it to just, fade into the background really isn't it yeah it's like Battleship Camouflage <laughs> exactly yeah well that brings us neatly I think to Guilt Minute the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running if you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month then you can become a patron different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you including being able to watch the show recorded live we also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts If you don't have any spare cash and we do completely understand, you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. Uh, If you've done all that and some of you do so, thank you very much. Then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues.
1: Thank you everyone that does. It does work because our
0: listening figures continue to rise. Yes. Which is as much a shock to you and I as it is to everyone else. (laughs) Is, Is it terrible that we've been doing this for so long? I've, it can go months between me looking at listener figures.
1: No, I think that is... Uh, you know, there's the hierarchy of needs. I think there's a podcasting mm. version of that. All right. And I think we are moving up the stages <laughs> of, of having done this long enough that we realize if you keep looking at the figures, you're going to go mad.
0: <laughs> well, yes, because I used to do that in the early days. Yeah. 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 New New Car News. Yes, uh, new Toyota CHR. This has been, uh, people I think have been on press drives in Barcelona and stuff already. Uh, unfortunately, not us, because a bit far away for these things. And yeah, only now have pricing uh, and stuff and specs come out. Uh, so the new Toyota CHR starts off at £31,290 for the Icon. Uh, that gets 17-inch yellow wheels, cloth upholstery, a 7-inch entertainment screen, CarPlay, and a familiar raft of safety systems. There's a bit of a step up to design, uh, which gets you nicer stuff, and then XL, which gets you a JBL sound system and front sports seats, as well as the uh, nicer stuff like the bigger infotainment and the panoramic sunroof. Those three trims are all available with the only the 1.8-litre hybrid powertrain which gives 97 brake horsepower with a 94 brake horsepower electric motor giving a mathematically complicated 138 brake horsepower. There's also a two-litre powertrain as well, which is shared with the new Toyota Prius, which isn't coming to the UK. Which is a shame because the new Toyota Prius looks very, very nice. Mm. But I don't think it would sell in anything like the numbers that the CHR would, so I understand it. I think the Prius sales have been down, down, down because it's so closely associated with being a taxi vehicle, even though they all drive uh, Corollas now.
1: Yeah, what's interesting is the four-wheel drive plug-in hybrid option has that two-litre petrol, but also with a beefier, hundred as it says in this Autocar article, beefier, 163 brake horsepower motor for a combined 223 brake horsepower. The bit that interests me is it will also feature geofencing tech, which will automatically switch it into EV mode.
0: If you enter a low emission zone. Yeah. That's an interesting one. It is. Just to finish off the models, though, there's a GR Sport and a Premier Edition. Uh, they cost £40,000, six hundred forty-five and £42,720, respectively. By the way, the whole Prius nobody buys it thing. 2021, CHR told 18,000, nearly 18,000 in the UK. They sold 563 Prius. If you don't buy it, you lose it.
1: Yes. Talking of something new we're going to get, though, mm. and I'm going to take us to Lexus and the LBX, which is their smallest vehicle of their range, which is a crossover tiny SUV. I think it's the smallest ever. Yes, I think, I think that's what they, what they have been saying. This is based or oh, has similar underpinnings. Sorry, it's not based. It has similar underpinnings to the Toyota Yaris Cross because it's using the global GA-B platform. Oh, I don't know how all these companies come up with it's these It's names. It says
0: Global Architecture B Segment. It's really not that complicated. Okay. It's like the next one up, the one we've just talked about, the CHR is on the GAC platform, which is the Global Architecture C Segment platform. It's, it's really, they don't make it very difficult for I us. I
1: need a lot of charts explaining all these things to me. I can't Goodness hold all me. that info how in my brain. Years,
0: how many years? Well, you see, the trouble is I can, but I can't remember my shopping list.
1: (laughs) Well, I can't do that either, so I don't know why I'm laughing. Anyway, back to the car. The prices are going to start at 29995 and they will hit the top of the range at the Takumi design spec level of £40,545. There's
0: nine trim levels. My word. That includes all-wheel drive and front-wheel drive variants of some of the upper specs as well.
1: Yeah. This is going to be the entry level for the Lexus range now. (laughs) It's something you were discussing with me earlier, replacing the CRT. Was it CRT? No, not the CRT. He's doing it on purpose now. The CT. The CT. Yes. Which you did drive in Barcelona, wasn't it?
0: I did, yes, yes, I drove the final the final, and you made
1: comments about how its platform was perhaps a little aged.
0: yes, it was by the time it was retired, it was sort of doddering on with a cane <laughs> yes and and it felt that way, just the, the whole quality of the, the hybrid system and how pleasant it was to drive um well it was a bit underpowered and a bit yeah, this should be different. I mean, it's based, say, on the Yaris cross, which is there's a review of this. Because I had one for a week, an amazing thing, which which runs mostly on air and magic. <laughs> it's not an EV, but it's as it's close as darned it, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I like. It. I mean, what what we what what could be better for me than a Lexus based on a based on a Yaris? For goodness' sake,s I mean, it's <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's like special Alan Heaven out there. I, I like this. What I like most, by the way, is I looked at the picture of the interior because, of course, that's that's sort of well, why is this worth more money than the Yaris Cross, which is mm. perfectly decent car. They do seem to have sort of almost completely switched out the interior, and it's all certainly the one in the picture is all sort of pale leather and and gloss black and and a screen, a decent sized screen and 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 stuff like that. So, it'll be very interesting. To sort of sit in it and and feel what it feels like compared to the Yaris Cross.
1: Yes, considering you have had the Yaris Cross for a while, it would be really interesting to see if you felt there was enough of a difference.
0: Yeah, there's not. There doesn't seem to be a massive price hike one over t'other either.
1: No, but to enter, yeah, but to enter the Lexus to to be considered a Lexus. Mm. <laughs> that, that's that's the trick, and it, it, it is a trick. It's not, it's not going to be easy. I mean, the, we're talking size wise, it's going to be virtually the same as say the Ford Puma. So it's going to be fighting against obviously the Puma, VWs to cross the XC Forty from Volvo and Mazda's
0: CX Thirty. The the XC Forty is the most likely competitor there. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. When you run through those lists, you you go it's it's Ford or Toyota. Or, you know, or Volvo and Volvo versus Lexus. I mean, that's, that's far more the alignment that I think everybody's looking for. Yeah. The Mazda, by the way, curiously sits somewhere in between. And if you're going to beat the interior quality of the Mazda, you're going to be doing pretty well because mm. Mazda is very strong on their interiors. Yes. yes. Much better than most of the German brands, but nobody will ever say that. No, except for us. Sadly, by the way, there's a Hey Lexus speech recognition system, which is just what nobody ever needs.
1: Oh, I'll have to try that if I get this. To try out. We'll have to try the voice recognition because we 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 are repeatedly told, don't worry about not having buttons and dials because the voice recognition's fine.
0: Yeah, I've never made voice recognition work. I'm try and try.
1: Well, it's your incredibly strong accent, Alan. As, we, as everyone well, yes, listening to s- tell,
0: strong regional tones. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, that said, it's off the top of your cars. But a friend of mine was over here very strong French accent or quite strong French accent could never get his Android phone to do anything. I would basically have to say it in the car and say the destination and work every time for me and it drove him nuts. But it's my 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 telephone huh? Yeah.
1: Okay, do you want to take us to the what is going to be a bit of a marathon of new Kia EVs?
0: Yes, brace yourselves, folks, for an onslaught of Kia EVs, some of them real, some of them not yet. And we're going to start at the bottom with the EV2. This is going to be a compact ESUV, target price for around £25,000, coming in 2026. Still a little bit away. This is going to be a key part of the firm's ambition to reach 1.6 million EV sales annually by 2030. The EV2 is going to go up against the likes of the Peugeot E2008 Vauxhall Corsa and Mini Cooper Electric. Those of you who have been following along at home will notice that it's significantly cheaper than any of those. Mm. Kia CEO Ho Sung Song. Uh, said that the EV2 is a very unique and important model for the European market. A very European-dedicated model, he says, and there's a very concrete plan for it. Uh, So if I were some of the others, I'd be sort of running and hiding by this point.
1: Well, it's going to be interesting in this because there isn't much detail, which I think you were about to say anyway. There isn't much detail about this, and it is aimed at 2026. Mm. So much so that we've got no idea of range. One thing to... Announce that your vehicle is going to be $30,000 with a direct conversion into pounds of 25 grand. It'll be more than that because the UK things will happen to make it go up. There's one thing to make that aim and statement. But another thing, if you're going to compete with the likes of the Corsa and the Cooper when it comes to range as well,
0: well, that's not huge deal. <laughs> that's not very difficult when it comes to the Mini. Well, no, the Mini's improved dramatically for the new model, hasn't it? It has, yes, it has, it has.
1: Yeah, I mean, if we were talking the old one, that's fine. you just use a hybrid battery. <laughs> <laughs> You'd
0: be pretty much there. Yes, that, that, that's true. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, why folks aren't giving out loads of details, because all of that kind of stuff uh, can easily change. And also, you don't want to give away too much of your model plan if you can get no, away no, with it. No, of course. Yeah. Anyway, that's the first of the four. We're going to talk about. So, why don't you talk about the next size up, which unsurprisingly is called the EV3.
1: Yes, this is a baby SUV, is how it's classed. And this is going to be slightly more expensive. They are aiming to start around a price of £28,500. This will be B segment.
0: This, by the way, is for next year. There is a little more information there. So, you know, this will probably go up against not know some of the other stuff we've discussed. To mm. me, this is the right, the same size as going up against the uh, CHR that we've just talked about.
1: Yeah, but they're going to keep with the exterior looks. Uh, it's it's an evolution of the EV9 that's due to come out to the UK very soon. The sales are already uh, out there, or you're able to express your interest. Anyway, it's Kia's tiger face and quite chunky, but not in an overtly aggressive manner. I think they've managed to keep that. Look quite good. I mean, mm. at the minute we're dealing with renders here in so much of what we're discussing, but there are examples of it uh, and it,
0: I think it looks really good. it's It's got a tonka, it's got a tonka feeling to it. I
1: like Kia Stroke Hyundai's uh, electric technology, I like their interiors, I like the way that they are built and work, and that you end up not worrying about the fact it's an electric car. <laughs> Yep. So I, I think they're on a really on a winner with this.
0: Yeah. Further out is the EV4, uh, a striking saloon for 2026. And the idea is that this goes up against uh, something like the Polestar 2. So very much more saloon style rather than an SUV style. Although it does have the kind of sloping, it looks like an EV future stinger, if that helps. Um, so it's got quite a long rear overhang. It's got a, a sort of fast back uh, by the looks of it on the rear. <laughs> and it's it's a decent looking vehicle. I think it's maybe less resolved in the picture stroke renderings uh, than than some of the others, especially around the interior, which very much has that sort of, dare I say it's Tesla Model 3 style, well, it'll be nice when you've moved in, <laughs> type of look to it. It's coming along as well. Not v- really, absolutely, no. Detail around uh, drivetrains and the like. Lots of information about hand-woven hemp fibres and that kind of thing. It's likely, it says, that they'll be offered with 215 brake horsepower front-wheel drive, 320 brake horsepower four-wheel drive versions. that won't be ultra-fast charging like the EV6 and EV9. Expected around 2025.
1: Yep. And to round out our Kia segment, <coughs> the EV5, which... We don't know if it's coming to the UK, but I would be absolutely astonished if it didn't. It's China only for the time being. Yeah, this this is an mid-sized SUV. I think we have to go It's below the EV9. <laughs> it's, so it's, it's hard
0: a, to say these days, really, isn't yes, it?
1: Yes, particularly with the renderings as well, where there's nothing to judge it against. But yeah. this is uh, going to be aimed at family owners. I think you're looking at your cash cow, uh, your RAV4 type size stuff, I was going more
0: Seren well, style, not the EV9. That's the EV9. So, it, you're, going, you so the you're, going, you're going Hyundai, Tucson size then? Yes. That's where we're going. Okay. Sportage. Mm, yes, that's the one. That's the one I couldn't think of.
1: This was uh, revealed at the uh, Chengdu Motor Show in China in August. And you get to see some of the interior. Some of you may have seen pictures put on social media where there's this really interesting addition to the front passenger seat that seems to... Well, it's connected and, and meets up, goes over the central console and meets up with the driver's seat but isn't actually connected.
0: And I'm not sure what it's for. Reading further into this article from Car that's on here, it says, Kia claims to have done research that shows millennial families view their EV SUV as an extension of their house, an extra room rather than means of getting to the shops. This explains why Kia has used the sort of language that's more befitting a listing and right move than a car brochure in some places, uh, saying the interior is closer in concept and execution to a home lounge than a traditional car cabin. And that says, assuming that your lounge has everyone facing the same direction and features a steering wheel. <laughs> Nevertheless, I think that that is, it's a hint towards your bench seat and it's about making the front of it feel more like a sofa.
2: Mm, okay, by yeah. continuing makes one seat
0: now. over into the other, but it can't go over into the other because the driver has to be able to adjust the seat more, more ways. Yeah. Curious to see if that makes it outside of China and the Far East.
1: Because mm. there is an arm rest, by the way. Because it, there's that
0: lump, and then there is, if you look closely at the pictures, there is another fold-down arm rest which goes over the top of it, so most of the time it's obscured anyway. Yeah. But, Yeah. I like the outside, though. I'll be surprised if this is a China-only.
1: I really like the, the design. I think it is very smart. It, it, it's what we've said, oh, I think a month or so ago, we were talking about how, uh, I think you pointed this out, that somebody was saying this, that boxiness isn't quite the right word, but boxiness is the new luxury. It is the visible expression of luxury or premium vehicles. I don't think that was me. D- that sounds far too deep for me. You were quoting someone else. Oh, right. That makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> but but I really like how they've mm-hmm. continued with the, the tiger face. It's their design language. But I think it just looks really smart. It's not over fussy, although there are creases around the vehicle, but it, it's still quite a very clean mm-hmm. external look. I mean, it is an SUV, and yes, it's another one, and yes, it is going to be, you know, large-ish, and there will be the usual oh, we all hate SUVs, et etc. et cetera. Yeah, But for most people trying to just get around their lives, this <laughs> is the vehicle they want. Yeah.
0: Holding those words about the uncluttered exterior and the good looks, let's talk about the 2024 BMW X2, shall we? Oh, my word. So all those things Andrew's just said about yeah. looks and good looks and unfussiness and all of that, throw it out the window because this is bogging yes it really is it's just bad
1: if there is ever a link in our show notes that you click click this so you can see exactly how dreadful the design
0: and what has been signed off is that's the amazing bit not just that somebody drew this sort of lumpen pustule but that then people signed it off especially the blue one in the m sport spec i mean I, you do wonder if it's one of those things like the Allegro, where the original sketches were really nice, and then it just got ruined and ruined and ruined. I mean, I'm sure it was very flat and wide, but I haven't seen a good-looking SUV coupe because it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Even the Volvo C30 doesn't really work for me. It's just too much mass. And this has got a lot of mass. I wonder how big those wheels are because they look tiny, but I'll be amazed if they're anything less than 19s.
1: Oh yeah, they'd have to be.
0: Anyway, it's there. It exists. I mean, the Q4 e-tron from Audi is not exactly selling well. I I don't expect this to do a lot better, to be honest. Buy yourself an IX1 instead of an IX2 or an X1 instead of an X2. Don't buy an X1. X1's a well, pretty interestingly, rubbish. Interestingly. Autocar puts it up against the Cooper Formentor. When when it comes to the Cooper um, Formentor's supposed to be very good. The internal never, combustion engine version, that is. Yeah. i just never got around to driving it because stuff got cancelled because COVID and stuff. Hmm. I don't know. It's there, it exists. I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, let's move on. Let's move on. Yes, so this is another one of your, your 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 favorite topics.
1: Yeah, Skoda has announced that they are no longer going to include Satnav as a, an automatic extra that is fitted to your vehicle. You will have to pay for a subscription or one-off fee if you wish to have inbuilt Satnav. Now I put this out on social media and it turns out I'm an outlier. Yeah, because I actually do use with the own brand's Satnav
0: whenever I'm testing a car. Oh, no, I use it when I'm testing a car. I use it. I then go, oh, that's all right. And then I go back to what I'm familiar with. I can't get Apple Maps and Waze to work for me. Oh, well, that's
1: you. There is one town close to me that those never, ever, ever
0: get right. That's because nobody ever travels out of those towns. Well, yeah, it's all six. You figures, really don't want to, that's for sure. Yes. Th- there's a hint there. That it's trying to save you andrew yes but it's too late if i have a a press car i will trial the in-vehicle nav and i will use it a bit and sometimes it's very useful especially if it's an ev it tends to have better find find me a charge point nav mm. but otherwise i will normally use carplay or well i'll use carplay i won't use android auto I use CarPlay. And and I think that that's basically what they're saying. It's There's quite an interesting... It's an interesting... They are experimenting with this. They're making it clear that yeah. this
1: is not one of those... And this is how it will be for the future. They want to see if there is a backlash. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's refreshing. Of course they have to. They have to test this. If they don't have to to develop or sign a contract with a supplier, uh-huh. it will save them money. So, of course, they want to explore this. Yeah, I so- get it. But, it, but it's the implication of other stuff they want to add to subscriptions. And
0: This Autocar article by Nick Gibbs, there's, a, there's chat, many quotations from a chap called Mutted Yarn, who is the head of sales marketing at Skoda. And it, I think he's, it's an incredibly pragmatic in this. He's saying there is interest, but it's nothing life-changing. It's something we're testing. For me, the reason why people buy a car is how it feels, how it drives, and how much luggage it holds. But you have to explore this. Owners of electric cars are more likely to download features than those of Ice Vehicles, he said. And Skoda could have dropped Satnav entirely, but doesn't want to yield the job of route guidance completely to Apple and Google. And he says some people will never use a native satnav, but we don't want to give up this space. Where I find it's useful is when you're somewhere where you don't have phone coverage or data coverage. But I also noticed the latest version of Apple Maps lets me download maps in yep. advance for areas uh, it was one thing i i found when i was out out west i did have to use the the lexus sat nav a couple of times just because there was no coverage and all i got was a gray grid on my phone and it just went mm, no sorry whereas the inbuilt uh sd card yeah
1: other things that will also be subscription or one-off fee extras for is automatic headlights and adaptive cruise control
0: mm. Some people never, again, some people never use adaptive cruise control, but all the tech's there, so it'll still be being used for the safety stuff. It just feels like penny-pinching.
1: Yeah, but that's the the thing, though, isn't it? It, To get your stars...
0: Yeah, to get your stars you need that, but you don't need adaptive cruise, and people normally just throw in adaptive cruise because it's there. This is all the fault of Tesla. This gross decontenting of cars Mm -hmm. is all the fault of Tesla and the fact that they've Gone off, and they've shown that they can get away with it, but they can get away with it just now when they're still on relatively early adopters, and whilst they're just stripping everything out to drop the price and drop the price and drop the price, which is going to backfire because it's going to have to. Yeah, the irony of electric cars backfiring. There we go. Uh, the but but yeah, they're just stripping the price, dropping the price, dropping the price because they they make their money through selling the selling the credit, don't they? Mm.
1: Anyway. Do you want to take us to points of interest and start with,
0: well, what has shown British social media to be absolutely full of lunatics? It's kind of one of the reasons why I'm not on it that much, uh, nearly as much as I used to be. Yes, we've not talked about the Luton Airport garage fire, partly because there's a certain amount of there but for the grace of God go I, because I used to have my car in that car park every week. Hmm, that's lucky. But mostly because it just got very stupid very quickly. And we're not going to talk about how stupid it got very, very quickly, really, other than observing that the stupidest people on some of the, some of the, uh, the, the social media do seem to be the ones with national flags or the ones with, with uh, whatever form of verification, inverted commas, that is available to you uh, by paying a small fee to have your opinions amplified and then receive money back. (sighs) Rather than us going on about it, I thought, and how dumb people were, I thought I would let Jason Torchinsky do it instead. So this week's Lunchtime Read is from The Autopian, and it's an interesting view from an outsider's view on just how that looked, and and a a commentary on the quality of opinions uh, and the quality of fact or otherwise being shared. Linky, as always, in the show notes to the Autopian. Good stuff there.
1: Yep. List of the week. And this comes from Top Gear. And amazingly, it is not a top nine. It is the 19 vans you never knew you wanted. Now, Alan, you probably did want a
0: van. I know I want a lot, quite a few of these. But the one that I want most of all is... Dum, 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 dum. The Renault Four uh-huh. uh, which I almost almost bought in the past. So, the Renault Four van with its little draft hatch and everything. Very, very cool. It is. It is very cool. So, yes, that's, that's my choice from here. There's lots of other good ones, although I do see it. it seems, they do seem to have chosen basically the same van about three times, but that's what happens when you when you choose uh, Kaivans, because they are basically only three variants of Kaivan. They're just badged by many different things. Yeah. Uh, what about, there's 19. I think there's room for you to choose one anyway as well.
1: Uh, well, I will pick the Dodge A100, mainly because I saw one in real life at a random village motor show a couple of summers ago with a gorgeous amount of patina on it. All right. That was driven, according to the owner, driven daily. Mm-hmm. And it just... Looked fab and amazingly, how tiny it is.
0: They are. So, I saw the Ford, America, equi- anyway. the Ford equivalent, which isn't listed in here, the, the early Ford O'Connor lines, it's, it's not part of this list. Uh, at um, I was in Newport at the weekend, and there was uh, uh, Newport, Rhode Island, it's not like Newport, South Wales. Okay, <laughs> really? Yeah, thank goodness. Uh, can you imagine the America's Cup starting from Newport, South Wales? Oh, they've stolen, <laughs> stolen half the boat
1: other towns that are have horrific reputations <laughs> are, available, in the are UK. available yes
0: I, I spent i spent quite a lot of time there and or trying to avoid being there yeah and it was similar i think it was just so small same format cut forward and you just sometimes you look at these and then you look at what's on the road here now and you just think where'd it go wrong yes what happened why the bloat and finally this week. And finally this week is the and finally that we're going to have last week. But we pushed out Jimmy Buffett in favor of Ian Seabrook last week. So we feel it's only right that the late Jimmy gets his entry this week. Uh, and the reason to talk about Jimmy Buffett is that there has been a bill filed uh, in Florida to rename State Road A1A, a coastal highway that spans from Key West to Fernandia Beach in the north in order of... Uh, in order of of jimmy buffett so yes the jimmy buffett memorial highway is a potential name uh for the future yeah i think that sounds pretty cool i don't know if there's anywhere called margaritaville en route but no doubt there are actually i watched a really good video on youtube by the way about i've forgotten the chap's name now he's got the most amazing mustache but he and a friend previously did all the rainforest cafes in the usa uh, and he visits all of the Margaritavilles in the U.S. and Canada, and it's it's worth a watch. It's it's very good. <laughs> Definitely not sponsored by Margaritaville, but yeah, it's uh, and it was it was done before Jimmy passed away. So there we go. Something a bit different to end on. Any parish notes this week, Andrew? No. Don't think so. Oakley Doke. That takes us kicking and screaming to the usual ending so don't forget that between now and next week you can give us any feedback share your thoughts with the show at motoring podcast on twitter and instagram on facebook and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com the hub of all our activities now remember you can support us financially via patreon and please leave a review and rating on apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you these days?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is via either Twitter or Mastodon. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you personally, if they wish to?
0: With me, it's either Twitter or Blue Sky these days. Uh, usual username of at AJP Bradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we'll be back very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.